can y'all just stop saying to finish? I'll decide when we finish. <laughs> <laughs> this is my ship, okay? I think Alana was the only one who didn't say it. Well, just to wrap up, to wrap this up and move things along. Jesus. So just to finish on what Dan was saying. Uh, <laughs> if we want to wrap up. Jokes in it. <laughs> yeah. Here, we're going to do that scratch thing and go... Yo, 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 yo. That was a big one, that. That was a big one. Yo, yo, yo. It has been a minute. It's actually been two minutes, but it's only been one minute because we actually did record. Or did we? Kinda, (laughs) but didn't. But it cut off, but maybe you're going to hear some. We'll get to that later. But for now, the black guys and a girl in a box are back, and we're here to talk the things and we're all here we've got angelo what's up nate what's going on alana hey hey the hello fresh plug and <laughs> dom now then how are we all in, in reverse order yeah tip top tip top man i'm good as you said the other day dan i'm a slumlord now so it's been a, a good <laughs> couple of weeks for me and today I've had a couple more 2020 moments where I just don't even know what's going on anymore. You'll understand what day we've recorded this because I've just seen Skepta thirsting over Pretty Patel on Twitter. <laughs> of all things I did not expect to see today, <laughs> or this year, or ever. <laughs> <laughs> 2020 is apparently the gift that keeps giving. Are we oh, sure he's not Jamaican? <laughs> <laughs> He's showing some pretty Jamaican tendencies, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Alana. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just things are getting busier. Things are definitely getting busier. Uh and yet I still find myself exceptionally bored, which I feel like we'll get into later, but uh generally doing well. Good to hear. Nate. Yeah, good. I guess the analogy is I'm back on the surfboard, you know. Twenty twenty threw me off the border. A couple of times had to climb back on, and yeah, things are things are picking up, looking good, heading into the new year as well. So yeah, all good this year. If it's not bikes, it's surfboards with you. <laughs> how, are, how are the legs feeling, man? After the oh, um, well, yeah, deciding to uh, cycle up four mountains in five days was certainly an interesting experience, and then coming back to locking down, being isolated, my body just packed in after the week. It just stopped. My lower back just imploded. So finally back to being able to sit up straight for more than an hour without crying. So yeah, no complaints. <laughs> Good lad. Fantastic, fantastic. And Angelo, how are you, man? Yeah, well, obviously we're going to talk about lockdown boredom and all of that, but this week I've had a look at the um, basketball team that I coach, had a look at some of the incoming players. We've had a couple of sessions in the, the first years have been given the seniors like the most work, which I just love to see. And then can't say too much now because I's haven't been dotted and T's haven't been crossed, but potentially some very good news on the work front, which hopefully in a timely fashion I'll be able to share with the with the people then. Absolutely, absolutely, mate. It's 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 the progress where you weren't expecting it, which is uh, which is always welcome. Always, always welcome. Yeah, I'm, 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 you know, I'm good. Just, just grafting away myself. Been doing a series of IG lives called Black Perspectives for 
uh, on the work platform. So we are social, just talking to different different black creators about um, their craft and how 2020s has affected the kind of things that they're doing. We spoke with Mikai McDermott, who's a black beauty influencer. She started as, she mainly does like Munro Bergdorf, but she had like a Vogue cover coming up. But she's just done a master's which it's on like politics and, and black identity. So she's branching out and she was telling a story about how she'd started sort of speaking up in March, you know, like, like a lot of people have and change the content up. And she was saying she was losing about 500 followers a day. It's the same thing with you, Angela, you said <laughs> when you're doing the Black Boris. Well, yeah, um, so um, it's two, yeah, I've kind of worked out that over the last, I think over the last month, I was basically, because um, I didn't, you don't realize because you're still gaining followers. But yeah, um, yeah I, I think I've lost something like 500 to 1,000 over the last sort of six weeks. But then Twitter have also started whacking sensitive uh, content on, on my stuff, which <laughs> uh, I might say for my, for my rant, because the, 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 the BS in that is actually quite funny. And Jack Dorsey, if I see you, yeah, knock if you butt, you know. <laughs> It's gonna be a situation. It's gonna be a situation. Yeah, she's saying that, and then but with her again, same thing. Like she was gaining, like she'd gain roughly the same. And I think she's saying she's up like a couple of hundred now on the, on the period. But the nature of your well, not the nature, the sort of the shape of your of your audience changes, and you 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 gain a better quality audience from it, don't you? So, yeah, hmm. super interesting. And the first one was in, with an Aphiok Ekpadom, who's like a black storyteller. And he's writing a book about grime in different areas of Britain, which is interesting. But yeah, just thought I'd shout that out. I've been doing that, and it's been very interesting. And hopefully, we're going to get some of these guys on the pod. They look to be keen. But now, topics for this week, topics for this month. And I think we're going to start with I mean, it's, all, it's always the BBC, isn't it? <laughs> it's always the BBC, isn't it? Always. Well, not this time. <laughs> we're talk about <laughs> we're talk about your man Ashley Banjo and diversity and how a dance how a dance about <laughs> discrimination and police brutality about against black people how a dance is now not the right way to show your displeasure and neither is protesting and neither is saying it and neither is pointing to it now a dance is not appropriate either. In oh. fact, it's racist against white people. <laughs> <laughs> little, little did you know. Is that because they can't dance? The views of Dominic Harriet Thompson are not. That's kind of mad. Still, that I don't even know where to go from that. Um, Dom, you got run with that ball now. <laughs> You're up caught on your own. First and foremost, let me just say, I know a few that I know a few that know the electric slide, so I know there's a couple out there that have at least got one liquor rhythm. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna die on that hill. That's not where it's I want to be. be. It's gonna be mad next time me and you chan going home for the box office. <laughs> no, I, I don't even know what to say on this because I've got to the stage now where I, I just have to laugh at these kind of situations because we've said it a million times and you've alluded to it in the way that you opened the segment when Cap took a knee that wasn't the way to protest when Lewis Hamilton wears a t-shirt 
that's not the way they <laughs> protest and just about escaped investigation by the FIA um, for effectively wanting murderers to be punished and held to account for their actions and now we've got to a stage where a dance is offensive and as you said Alana racist to white people <laughs> I, I just like to speak to one of these one of these naysayers one of these loud gammon people and say well, what what is acceptable what can we do to voice our displeasure at these situations because I am at a loss now I don't actually know what is what is not acceptable <laughs> <laughs> The only way that it's acceptable, if they're up in arms, is if they are, they're white, but they've just discovered Beris Hammond, and they've misunderstood the lyrics to what one dance can do, and maybe they're like, maybe this actually, no, like, there's a guy called Beris Hammond, and he's actually talked about, like, the power of what one dance can do, and, like, I, I think it's important that actually I show you that I'm actually quite cultured, like, I have medium when I go to Nando's, not lemon and herb, so, like, I'm cultured, um... I wish I wish your facial expressions right now and the full characterization that's coming through could be translated. Well, if you look at the uh, Black Boris Twitter feed, you can see two new characters, Mike Toast and Ray, a proud cis man. Yes, that's Ray, a cis man. Ray, cis man. Um, but, uh, I think that what it highlights is that the issue is never the style of the protest but the idea of protest, the idea of agency, the idea of self-determination. We are living now in a time where the phrase Black Lives Matter is too hot to handle. When the Premier League are like, no, we need to, we need to change that because it's just, it's, it's a bit hot, that phrase. What's wrong with it? I, because the thing is, I don't watch uh, Britain's Got Talent, but obviously it exploded on social media. So I was like, rah, they've probably done like, the Malcolm X gun by the like machine gun by the window, like they've probably kind of like, do you know what I mean? This probably this is probably some deep stuff. They're probably like inciting violence. Nah, just some white guys <laughs> dancing quite well, like very well. Um, yeah. And and also, if if your issue if your issue is that they did a, um, a, a they they had that part where one dancer kneels on another dancer's neck, and you find that more offensive than the thing that they're trying to highlight then the Jamaican side of me wants to tell you to go suck your mother. Like, do you know what I mean? And 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 I stand by that. And, and it's just this <laughs> idea that kind of, it's not, pro it's not, it's not the dance. It's not Lewis Hamilton wearing that t-shirt. It's, it's the, it's not Cap taking a knee. Because also remember that people, like the, the, the big old conservative government came after Marcus Rashford for suggesting that children deserve food. <laughs> and, 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 and this guy with his dusty, uncreen legs had the audacity to ask, Lewis, uh, to ask Marcus Rashford to confirm whether or not he knew his dad. Oh, Did Boris Johnson's oh kids know who their dad is? And let's mm. not talk about super injunctions. That's all I'm going to say. Well, we can't. That's the nature of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I think, I think it gets me as well. Just sorry before you go on there as well. Yeah. Didn't diversity win Britain's Got Talent? Yeah. And yeah. To win yeah. Britain's Got Talent, you have got to be the most bubblegum, pop, like pleasant, everyone loves them kind of act. So this is the least offensive kind of protest that you it will ever see on television. It was Hamilton. It was fucking Hamilton, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching this and I was like, how 
how is this any different than when I watch Hamilton, except that it's obviously not as good. But just like, I don't see how you could get offended by that. It's like, it, I, I guess it's like, that is the epitome of privilege, right? You're like, I want to sit here and watch this like crap show and forget about my worries. And like, I have the privilege to be offended by having to address anything of substance. And I don't want my like, you know, escapism to be interrupted by actual real issues, but get over it. <laughs> but you'll watch, you'll watch acts where you can tell that the four-year-old child who has been bullied to go into stage school <laughs> and acting in a certain way their entire life and hates yeah. their parents because of all the shit that they make them do. That's all right, because a little cute kid dancing with a fake smile on the face. But yeah. if you've got some black people protesting against something that's pretty brutal... That's that's not going to cut it's, it. It's out of order. It's out of order, Dom. Let's be honest. It's you know Saturday night TV. We can't we can't be provocative to the masses. The thing that gets me is twenty thousand people or whatever it is, hmm. you know, went went to the effort of complaining about it. So not only did they look at it and just go, oh, fucking hell, these blacks, eh? <laughs> you know what I mean? They then went to the they then went to the effort of then articulating an email, probably doing their best not to sound racist, whilst you know kicking off in the most racist, ridiculous fashion. Um, I'll tell you what, I'd love to see the grammar in these complaints. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'd love to see it. What, what I will say is like there's two things to that. One, it is I I just watched it before we came on and. It is, it's, a, it's stomp. It's stomp with lyrics, is what it is. They don't have bin lids. But it's just like, it's, it's just a narrative. It is just a narrative. So they're just, it's literally just someone telling a story. If you watch a film and you get angry about the, that, the, that the film is real, then get angry at the people doing the stuff in real life. Mm. Don't get angry at a recreation because you don't like the picture that, it, that it's, it's showing you. To me, there's like it's there's a sort of kind of cognitive dissonance where you, that you they're just you're shooting the messenger, literally, literally and, shooting the messenger. And as well as that, I feel like so many of these grumbling parents are missing a very very valuable learning point as well because you have so many that are complaining along the lines of I don't want my children to have to see this. Well, I don't want my children to have to live this. Mm. So if you cannot at least have a conversation and tell your child why that is being displayed on primetime television, then you are missing the whole point of it. And I know that it's not going to land that way for everyone, but that's the bit that hurts me. It's like this was an opportunity which you've just missed. Yeah. And what I'll also say, like the nature of the complaints is, and you saw this a lot with, when Jonathan Ross and Russell Brand that time rang up Manuel and oh, left God. a message saying Russell Brand had... Shaggy his... granddaughter. Yeah, well, I mean, I know we've got a bunch of new listeners at De- Deloitte. Uh, welcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, he had done stuff to Manuel's granddaughter. And the nature of it is people hear about something or they read about something in the paper and then they'll just complain. They just go to complain. Yeah. They're not really going to go to listen to it, so... It's yeah. I think the fact that it's a topic which is in the news and it's sort of surrounded by the whole debate and about statues coming around, coming down, just meant that they were they were always gonna take the action. They're gonna take any opportunity to say, mm-hmm. actually, I don't like the the Britain that's that's being portrayed. Oh, I don't like how the world's becoming. And like as you say, we don't like it either. 
the thing is, like, Dom, you talked about how, you know, this idea of parents saying, you know, I don't want my kids to see that. It's like, kids don't have an issue with it. Kids grow up in the, in the what kids grow up with is normal. So whilst COVID has left lots of older people shook, for kids it's like, well, this is the normal thing. And so what we need to recognise, and you can look to kind of different movements, is things that were fought for before, where it's now settled, in, perhaps in law, for the kids that are growing up that didn't understand that struggle, it's normal. And so this idea that, you know, my, my son or my, my daughter is, is too sensitive to hear this, it's like, no, you are, and you're using them as a shield. And yeah, again, yeah. I don't have time for that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's mad though, isn't it? But people are gonna fight on these things even if they've not watched them because it fits a narrative. Because yeah, bro, it keyboard makes, warriors. It makes their own argument and their own claim feel stronger. It's like the amount of times where I've made a complaint about a Drake song, even though I've not listened to it, because <laughs> I've seen TikToks and those TikToks have made me realise I'm gonna hate this song. So I don't need it because I see that as a receipt for my already pretty extensive argument, and that's how these people are acting. They're not mm. watching it. They're seeing some other people that are in their feelings about it. And then, yeah. okay, let me just add to that to make it look like the Fury is even greater than it actually was. Because I would love to see what percentage of the people that complained actually saw the performance. I'd love <laughs> to see that. Yeah, and I'd like to see the percentage of people that listen or, like, you know, absorb certain publications that I won't even give uh, airtime for. But I'm sure we know these publications here. And I, I saw a headline that was like, you know, Ofcom investigating whether this was a disgraceful act of blah, blah, et cetera, et cetera, like add fuel to the fire kind of rhetoric. And I was just like, the the media here is just horrendous in this situation. And in some ways, the worst of the situation, because I just feel like it's adding, it's giving the people who are complaining the, amul- the ammunition and the, it's, yeah, just emboldening, emboldening the, emboldening the, the, the situation. Well, the actors, and I'll go ahead now. I was gonna say this. This is the game, Alana. Like mm. the, the the each different outlet knows its audience, and they mm-hmm. decided the path that they were going down a long, long time. You you can't U-turn now, so yeah, you can't really be surprised um, at them having to. They, they've got to kind of double down on these things. Like if if it, they were like Brexit supporting papers this is also attached to that this is also associated to that it's like it's just it's the latest front in a culture war and they've decided which side they're on i get it it just seems that this tactic has been around since the dawn of media which was like i mean even since the 1800s and pamphlets being spread around and i'm just like when are people actually going to do their due diligence Yeah, when they're going to think for themselves. And think for themselves, yes, thank you, exactly. exactly. It's mad, isn't it? Because, I mean, I think the only times where you ever see these kind of publications with a positive headline is when something really, really divisive has happened to the nation. Like, Brexit happens, we've got our country back. But then for anything else, it's just always fury, 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 fury. That's what sells. I know it is. I understand it. I understand it. It's just, it's quite jarring. Like, with the England boys a couple of weeks ago, and I say boys intentionally, where they tried to sneak those girls back to the hotel. Those publications are, you stupid boys, you idiots, and all this kind of stuff. It's like, they are, they are boys. They are not long since children. This doesn't need to be a fury point. This is a learning point. This is a time for us to teach and not necessarily make an example of them, just accept something for what it is. And it was interesting for me to see, and it always is, just the difference between each of the publications and how they report on these issues. 
Barstool, mate. Send them to Barstool. <laughs> have you, seen, it, have you yeah. seen now it's Marcus... It's, um, what's his name? Greenwood. The one Greenwood, that's getting all the heat now. Mate, I, 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 this is a separate note, but I, I always thought it might be women that bring that, that young talent down and it's immediately <laughs> it's looking that way. But, We're um, bringing them up. Yeah, if, if, you follow, <laughs> if you follow tomorrow's papers today, I think it's Neil Henderson. He's, he's from the BBC. And every night he tweets, and him and like a team of people, they tweet out all the front pages of every paper for the next day, which is really fascinating. Like you say, when something happens, to see what the news lines are and how they cover it like side by side. And uh, yeah, it's, it's never a surprise. No, never. I'll say that much. So yeah, so I feel like we're pretty well aligned on that, on sort of, on in being like, I, I just, yeah, I just want to, f- I just want to make this point though, which is, can you imagine if they had really kind of gone for it? If they had done the kind of Malcolm X gun by the window kind of thing, the kind of, you know, don't turn the other cheek. If they'd have gone kind of deep into it that way, what the thing had been, because I, I, I almost feel there's this thing of, well, it is, it is, and we've said it, but it, it's so much that it's fear-based. And, like, if diversity are making you scared, it's because you recognise that 2020 is different. And and I look at the kind of British um, big figures, celebrities, sports people, and they're a different breed that are coming through. They're a different breed that are coming through. Because I personally feel like with the Lewis Hamilton thing, he was like, come for me, FIA, because yeah. I'm backed. I'm backed. Yeah. Like, let's go. And it's not that thing of like... And I recognise it's different when there is a real threat to your life, like it was happening with like the sports people in the 70s, 80s, even into the 90s. But now it's like, nah, we're ready, let's go. Let's mm-hmm. go. And so the fact that people... like This is like... I think it's the second most complained about thing ever, and it's milk toast. And it's like... I think it's because there's this recognition that we're not asking for equity anymore. We're going to take it. We're going to take it. And if you yeah. don't give it to us, we'll put our we'll put our we'll put our finances where people uh, where there is equity, and those companies that those companies that recognise that and get on board early, they will be the ones that survive. Because as much as I think like all multinational companies are evil, you know when you see big men like Mo Gilligan kind of promoting Coca Cola, it's because they recognise. Do you know what we need to back this horse mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we know. That's not even a micro-influencer or micro-targeting. They know that black British culture is is homogenous enough that if you get in on the ground floor, you will have that power. And, no, and, and those companies infectious. that kind of try and yeah. all lives matter it, they'll they'll be consigned yeah. to the dust heap of history. No, I think, you know, just to, to build on what Angela's saying, you know, black British culture is, is, you know, it sells and it's infectious and it's accessible because, you know, where it primarily comes from you know working class low income areas um and i think that is what as you say the big corporates are catching on to um but it's still it's just that stark reminder it doesn't matter how well it feels and how good it feels in our circles and what we're experiencing you know the great british public will will do their best to just you know remind you and slap you in the face that we're not as far on as as you know we'd hope to be and actually we need to have some pretty frank conversations with these people. The fact we're still debating 
this as a as a thing and not the actual issues at hand for me that's it's still working then the mechanism that is racism is still working so yeah, yeah it's just irritating the the parallels that i draw between this and the the kaepernick thing is before colin kaepernick did his protest before he took a knee he spoke to i can't i think it was like an ex nfl player or it was someone that had served in the armed forces and discussed the fact that i think he was going to take he was going to sit down for the anthem initially and they decided on taking a knee because it was going to be less offensive and i guarantee that diversity would have thought long and hard beforehand about what was going to be in their dance because they didn't want to make it too too um controversial they wanted to make it as palatable for the nation as possible even whilst being uncomfortable for a lot of people to see so even in both of these situations even though there was probably consultation that went on before they thought long and hard about what they were going to do to make this um something that was applicable something that got a point across without offending it still isn't good enough so yeah like angelo said it's because it's it's a bit too a bit too direct for people to see that their idea of normal is slowly ebbing away i was gonna say like it's it's you've got to be brave right you've got to be brave they've, they've got to sort of they've got to brave that backlash and uh i think it takes a lot of professional courage for them like you say as the as previous winners and given that platform like i don't know what if there are many bags being fl- flung out in a year like this with covid going on for big dance groups we've got yeah. too many members to even meet together <laughs> after the last weekend so it's, <laughs> it's true like eight or nine of them I was gonna make I was gonna make the point that um, I think, and I don't know if we've said this in this way, but um, what the complaints highlight is also a lot about the British psyche. This idea that when marginalised groups seek self determination, that is intolerable because it is so anathema to the idea of empire and the benevolent we look what we give you versus we are taking and i think that's what has been revealed in this it's like how dare these people seek self-determination when we haven't yet given them this and i think that you see it it's and it's not your kind of fifth earl of such and such it's your sean from east hull who kind of is disgusted that these people are doing that and i think there is something that is sick within the British psyche, this empire mentality, which they're about to get such a reality check with with Brexit um, because you, they're going to realise that you can't actually go around saying you're, you're Barry Big Balls and you can't get any trade deals done. So I think, just to kind of wrap it up, I think that the, 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 the anger, and it is and it just the, the, the undue level of anger comes from this sense of how dare they take something that we haven't given them because we are the benevolent empire and they are taking and that ruins this sense of yeah. that ruins this sense of identity that many people have yeah it's it's british ex- exceptionalism you know it's just that you know mighty mighty britannia we you know it's it's individualism it's all that kind of no the rules that apply to me and no actually if you're upset in my world then you're going to hear it um, yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. And the idea too, and obviously this is a problem, a huge problem in America. Um, the idea that to criticize something means that you're shit talking it, when in fact mm. you're trying to make it better. 
Like you, you need to call anything, any entity, any issue on its shit in order to address it and make it better. And it's not, I don't understand. Maybe it's because the people who are getting offended by this wouldn't normally be the ones to work on themselves or to confront things to begin with generally. So when you do it on a national scale, it's really intimidating. But I don't understand why it's so difficult for people to make the connection that, oh, if we actually want to be a better nation, if we actually do care about our culture and our nation, we need to constantly be improving it. But yeah, I mean, I think that's just indicative of society as a whole. It's, it's, there's a, there's a, a really, really terrible Aaron Sorkin TV show called The Newsroom. Hey, the first episode was good. The first episode was good. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. But this is why this is the problem with Aaron Sorkin. Everything's like so schmaltzy and wordy, like wordy, and look how look how clever I am. Yeah, mm. whatever. <laughs> and the, the first episode. USC alum, epi- fight on. <laughs> yeah, the, the first episode is really interesting because that's what I'm talking about. And Jeff Daniels, who plays the news anchor, has got that bit where they ask him the question. He's at this, he's at this university and he's speaking, isn't he? And they say, mm-hmm. um, why is America the greatest country in the world? And he has this long monologue basically saying why, like, <coughs> everything that's bad about it. Everything that's bad about it. Um, and, he's, and I think he ends up by saying, I don't think it's the best country in the world. And then... On the show, he's supposed. To, this guy is. He actually admits to being a Republican, but his point is, if you want something to be better, then you've got to acknowledge its faults, which is like, uh, along the same lines as what you're just saying there, Alana. Um, but yeah, I think people struggle now with. There's no such thing as constructive criticism, is it? You've got to. You've got to be a blind fan. Tribalism, yeah, because if you criticize something, you're against it. Mm. It's this two sides of a spectrum and nothing in between that we've mentioned so many different times there's, south, there's right? no nuance no there's nothing there's no continuum it's just x or y that's all it is that's it it's just you know to finish i guess on in terms of the media's role and everything else it's just an accelerant on polarizing people and you know because that shit getting, sells because it's hey because it's it gets them numbers and them clicks up um mm-hmm. But I think it's just so detrimental to the whole conversation. And obviously, everyone's aware of that now. But we don't have the power to control the the conversation just yet. Um, so I think yeah. I think it's less so that. I think it's more so the fact that most people, and again, I've said this a million times, but because a lot of us exist within quite a liberal, forward-thinking, balanced, nuanced echo chamber, you forget that outside of that, there isn't so much of it going on. It's, I'm going to think this because I've read this. I'm going to think this because they said it on this radio show or podcast that I listen to, instead of actually weighing up something and coming to a reasoned opinion yourself. Absolutely. Um, can you all just stop saying to finish? I'll decide. When <laughs> <laughs> this is my ship, okay? I think Alana was the only one who just said, didn't say it. Well, just to wrap up, to wrap this up and move things along. Jesus. So just to finish on what Dan was saying. Um, <laughs> if we want to wrap up jokes in it. <laughs> yeah. Here we're gonna do that scratch thing and go. Yeah. So we saw Michael Holden, who started the English summer on Sky, 
with a sort of really powerful piece of camera with uh, Ebony, Rafe and Brent where they were talking about Black Lives Matter and his experiences of racism previously and she spoke about hers and how she'd been pretty, treated pretty terribly in this country and how she sort of was worried about future generations going up and then Michael Michael Holden was obviously saying that education was a key and the problem is how how black history is ignored and like people don't know that they know who invented the light bulb but they don't know the person who invented the filament for the actual light bulb that we use now was a black man so anyway it's funny that just two weeks ago now we are at the end of the british summertime he criticized the fact that the australian and english cricket teams had just decided that they just there was they were over kneeling they'd gone jay-z and they decided there was no need to keep kneeling anymore we'd sort of got past that point. Michael Holding's point was, if you're going to do something, keep doing it, or don't do it at all. You can't be halfway wet. You can't be halfway wet. And the, the argument was, well, you know, we'd kneeled before and now we've got other, other schemes going on. We're, we've, done, we've done that now. We've moved on to something else. Do you think kneeling does anything at this point, or is it just sporting protest? Who wants to start? Uh, one of my friends sent me the original Michael Holden video and, you know, it's one of the videos that really stands out during that period for two reasons. Firstly, for Sky to give him the platform um, and the time for him to speak so candidly and nuanced and I thought that, you know, respect for them for doing that because it's rare you find that level of, of detail in the conversation. But then, as you say, getting to the main point, it's... It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because the conversation, again, is now around should you kneel or not, not why people are kneeling. And I guess for me, I'm a bit pedantic and I'm kind of with Michael Holden on this. If you've started doing something, has the situation really changed yet? Uh, I wouldn't say so. I say, yeah, there's activism, there's schemes, there's motion, but the circumstance and situation for the majority of black people hasn't changed. So for me, if you're going to do it, do it. And I think it does uh, have an impact because we take for granted how many people look up to sports people, look up to the arenas of, of professional sports and, you know, they learn from them. They see what they're doing. They'll read a tweet, respond to the, to them about the argument rather than finding the argument themselves. So I can understand why people would say kneeling is useless and maybe feel hopeless. But I think, yeah, I'm with Michael Hoden. If you If you start something, don't stop it until, you know, the situation has changed. Yeah, and I think it's probably having an impact in ways that we might not even be aware of, kind of like you were starting to say, Nate, um, you know, for the kids who are watching this, for the conversations that are starting that we don't really get to see, it's definitely bringing awareness to the issue. So I do think in that sense, there is a definite impact. I mean, obviously, we're all having the conversation now. What I think I would like to see is something that goes beyond that. You know, is there a list of demands? What are we actually trying to gain and I think, like what you said before, there, the conversation is now around the act of protesting rather than why are they protesting. And so it's becoming a distraction. And I think we need to find a way to bring it back to the actual issues and explicitly state what are we trying to gain. So we're bringing awareness to the issue of systemic racism, police brutality, and here is our you know list of demands. Is, do you feel like, to me... Why am I the victim though? Why why am I having to <laughs> to come up with a solution as to why I shouldn't be discriminated against? 
that's, that's that's society's job to stop doing that. It's not not I, I, the why, not the why. I think it's more here are the specific because I mean as we've just talked about, you need to spell it out for people. And when I say people, really, I mean the white people. You need to spell it out. Like here is the problem. Okay, now you're some of you are on board. You understand that there's a problem. This is how it is going to be fixed. And I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not seeing it personally. But I feel like the next step is to, and something that I feel like is kind of lacking in a few of the, the movements that I see um, surrounding Black Lives Matter and fighting racism is that the awareness is there. We're sort of starting to get some agreement <laughs> on this whole racism thing. Uh, but then I don't see like a list of demands yet. Hey, we need a Black Boris manifesto. Yeah. <laughs> it flagged the sensitive content on Twitter. So. <laughs> um, no, so the thing is, is I laughed because Joffre Archer kind of said, you know, Michael Holding doesn't know what's going on. There's stuff going on behind the scenes. Okay, there's eleven members on the, of the on the ECB board. Anybody want to take a guess as to the makeup of that board? What it looks like? Anybody? Bowling pins. Uh, there's 11 of them, um, seven men, four women, and they are translucent. And, and there's this not even an Asian one. Pardon? There's not even an Asian one. Uh, have you not seen the stories coming out of Yorkshire, the most powerful county? <laughs> I'm joking. In... I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> bad, bad, t- bad, yeah, Yorkshire, like, need to hold, just hold some L's. Um, I get what Joffre Archer is saying is that, you know what, maybe there's stuff going on behind the scenes. But do you know what? We need stuff happening in front of the scenes as well. We definitely need stuff happening in front of the scenes. And the question that we've been asked is, does kneeling do anything at this point? It's the wrong question. A better one might be, if the phrase Black Lives Matter is too much for you, what is an acceptable level of protest? If kneeling is too much, what's an acceptable level of protest? Because I'm still old enough to remember this year when Joffre Archer was racially abused. And, and this is hap- this is something that happened, I think, this year or the back end of last year. So let's not pretend that cricket has its house in order. I'm just very, very... like. I think change happens at the level of culture. Change happens when you have things that are normalised in culture. When you see... When the LGBTQ plus experience is normalised, that's what shifts it. And so saying we're doing stuff behind closed doors doesn't solve the very real issue that we have to move the Overton window to a point where even your kind of knuckle-dragging, I'm-not-being-funny-bot type of racist recognises, I can't say that. And and I do think there is power in having people recognise, do you know what times have moved on? Even if I think this, I can't say it. And the image of... The Premier League footballers taking a knee, the Formula One drivers, some of them taking a knee, is, is, is a powerful symbol that can be used in advertising campaigns. And I know it's a bit kind of icky to say that, but can be used in advertising campaigns, that can be used in the classroom, which will be used, I'm sure, by some particularly woke schools during Black History Month. You need those things happening up front and in the open. Because as soon as you put stuff behind closed doors, what you can do is you can hire lots and lots of people to kind of complete lots and lots of work. 
that then you used to say, look, we have grown because look at the work we did. Have you actioned anything off of it? Doesn't matter. We auctioned it out. We had it. We're going, you know, what I will expect to happen is the ECB will create a diversity and inclusion role, which will be the one ethnic person on the board, which is what always happens. But if the only ethnic person on your board is the person that's in charge of diversity and inclusion, but then you use them to say, look, we are tackling diversity and inclusion, it's not the, you're not making the point that you think you are. I mean, we we sort of had this conversation previously on the, 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 Shadow podcast are recorded with the with the BBC and with June Sarpong, uh, and in her role, where well, as long as you've got a black figurehead, it gives you some kind of cover. So it wouldn't surprise me, Angelo, if they did appoint that sort of they did create that role, and if they did even give it to Ebony Raiden for Brent. I but, mean, um, it would be I smarter w- for them to give it to. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking smarter in this kind of very cynically political thing. It'd be much smarter for them to give it to an Asian Yorkshire person. What? No, 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 no one'll take it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it's so. I'm um, yeah. I I get that the the thing of like, well, it's performative, and I don't like it. But it's like, yeah, we need performative actions, and I will expound on that when we talk about the final topic. I think for me, whilst I've had several conversations in my own head about what I think about kneeling at this point. One of the things that really sticks is, if we're talking cricket, for instance, if you see someone like Johnny Burstow kneeling, who the regular cricket fan up at the cricket club, every man, who might or might not have racist views, if he sees someone like Johnny Burstow supporting the cause then maybe it just challenges their own views a little bit. Like, well, if Johnny Burstow is getting on the back of this, then maybe there's a point for me to look at here as well, potentially. And that's the way that I look at it. So I don't particularly care what the mindset is of the people that are kneeling. For me, it's just showing support and then potentially challenging the views of those that are watching it, the millions around the world that are watching it and thinking, okay, maybe it's time for me to step up as well. Absolutely. And uh, I feel like, I, I, one, just sort of to close out the cricket, segment of the talk i was a bit annoyed that joffre archer took the bait on that i'd be interested if he was told to go out and make those comments to say oh there is there is something else going on there is something else coming mm. but he'd have been smarter just to keep his counsel on the one that one i feel like um it felt a bit, it felt a bit barnsy to me <laughs> it did a bit it just a touch and it was like tone policing as well to say oh i'm really disappointed in Mikey's comments it's like yeah how could you be disappointed in a man sticking up for you (laughs) (laughs) it was quite yeah it is quite mad for him so he should have should he done his research Michael Holding should have done his research Joffre okay okay but um yeah I mean like I think we where I'd like to move this topic on is we watched the NFL show uh, this past weekend on on Saturday, excellent show. Ose Umanyora and Jason Bell and Mark Chapman, and they were talking about kneeling. So obviously, this kind of all started with the NFL with Colin Kaepernick in 2016. We all know what happened. He's still not playing NFL. However, this season, post everything, all the NFL's like leading players, so led by. Um, 
Pat Mahomes, who's probably he's going to be the most famous NFL player there is. He's just signed a new five hundred million dollar contract, and they all the players unilaterally created this video saying that enough's enough. They want action, and they weren't going to just put up with the NFL basically playing lip service to their desire to create change. And the head of the NFL, Roger Goodell, put out this video where he's like, is pretending it's the most sickening shit i've ever seen yeah it it was not penitent at all it's like black lives matter (laughs) black people matter (laughs) they need to keep like black lives alive (laughs) that's not exact script but that's what he meant but uh yeah so anyway he bought this video and they're like okay we're gonna do all these things for for nfl players and we're not. We're gonna permit protesting, and basically things are gonna change. They were talking about it on the on the NFL show this weekend, and they'd asked both guys, Jason Bell and Ose Monyora, would you kneel? And Jason Bell said, I would, because I've got a young daughter, and one day she's gonna ask me, during this time, what did you do? Because these are the kind of times we're living in, like this, like people are gonna want to know what side you stood on. And he said, that's why if I was out there. I'd want to be part of some action. And then Ose Umanyora took a completely different tack. He was saying he's from, he was born in the UK, he was raised in Nigeria, and then he went, moved to America to play American football. And he said he knew, whilst he understood and empathized with all of the issues involving the black plight in America and police brutality, he knew all that stuff before he went there. And he said that he went anyway on the promise of being able to be rich, to be able to play, play American football. He knew exactly what he was getting himself into. And he went, he went anyway. And he said, because of that, he wouldn't be able to live with himself if he was a hypocrite. So he said, there's one thing he won't put up with. He couldn't be a hypocrite. So he said, that's why he wouldn't kneel, not because he disagrees with what they're saying, but ultimately as, as an immigrant, he went, he went there anyway. So it's uh, it's it's not to be honest. I I respect the viewpoint, but it's not one I've heard before, and I'm just interested to sort of hear your guys' sort of take on that argument. I just have to say because at first I thought I respected the viewpoint. At first, it seemed logical, but I actually think it's some sort of mental barrier or like mental gymnastics on his part to try to justify his participation in the system. Because it's kind of like we were talking about before. If you love something, if you respect something, if you want to pay homage to something, you can still criticize it and you can still work to make it better. Like if I, if I was living in a house and my house was a shithole and then I was able to move into a slightly better house, it's not like I move into that house and I'm like, well, it's still kind of a shithole, but it's better than where I was, so I don't have the right to fix it up. No, you still have every right to fix it up. And okay, fine, maybe if you don't feel culturally it's appropriate for you to kneel, what else can you do to show up for this movement if that's not what you're comfortable with? Yeah, so I think he puts it in a way that at first makes it sound like reasonable, but then I think when you actually look at it, I I can't get behind that argument at all. We're going to move away from your Donald Trump-esque shithole analogy as well. We'll pretend that didn't happen there, Alana. Oh, God, no! <laughs> These shithole countries. Oh, I thought you were better God. than that. Yeah, it's, it's oh, bled in. It's bled For in. me, it's, 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 so, yeah. it's so obvious. and I, I'm not the biggest NFL fan. I'm not a fan of Roger Goodell. Um, 
And when I watched the segment, like you, Alana, initially I was kind of like, hmm, that's an interesting perspective. I've not thought about it that way. But then I just thought, right, wait a second. This year, obviously, we're all a lot more engaged with all of these kind of movements that are happening. And for me, one of the most important things that's come out of 2020 is, whilst I've been much more vocal about why Black Lives Matter, why my life matters, I've also realised that it's not a fight that I can win by myself. It's not a fight that black people can win for themselves by themselves and that you need a lot of other people to support you. And in that being the case, I found myself being much more vocal around feminism, around LGBTQ plus community, etc. Because I understand that these aren't victories that we get just working alone. So for me, when I was listening to his, his explanation about why he wouldn't kneel, all I thought was, even if that's not something that you have um, had to move away from, even if you gravitated towards it, then you still kneel in support of the people that are experiencing it. For me, it is really that straightforward. I am not a gay person, but I will shout my support from the rooftops because that is the kind of way that these movements work. That's how change happens. So just because I don't get persecuted for being a gay person doesn't mean that I'm not going to stand and show my solidarity for it. So in what was a well-articulated argument, and I think because he's an articulate guy, I fell for thinking that what he said was more substance than it actually was. I don't agree with it in the slightest. There's also, just really quickly, there's just two things that came to mind just as you were speaking, and one of them is that his argument is basically validating what white people, white racist people would say in America, where it's like, oh, well, if you don't like it, then leave. Yeah. Which I definitely can't get behind. And then secondly... What he's saying is that white America has given me these particular opportunities, mm -hmm. even though this America was built on the backs of black people. So what he is even defining as America, this country that's given him this opportunity, he's still defining it through the white lens. When in reality, if he was really going to give honor to a country that encompasses all people, particularly black people, then he, like you said, Dom, should be standing in solidarity with those people who are Americans, who are America. But is he acknowledging, but if, if America is, every, if, is all parts good and bad, then how have you just split that into two Americas? Not two Americas, but I guess what I'm saying is I look at it, you know, he said he came to America to search for certain opportunities and the NFL presumably is the main source of those opportunities. A very mm. white dominated space, white run space. And I don't think what he's looking at is like, okay, we'll look at all of the black players or players of any background that's non-white or, or even white that contributes to that institution that is the NFL. And then when you think about America in a larger space, all of the people that contribute to the, I suppose, success, if you want to call it, I really don't have know what the word for it would be, but the position that America is in that has allowed for OC to have the benefits that he has, in order to, I think, give honor to that nation, you should give honor to the entirety of the nation and not just kind of, in my, basically to put it bluntly, I feel like he's just pandering to yeah. the white owners of the yeah. NFL. <laughs> yeah. No, I think um, this is like, I'm a, as I said in the group chat, I'm a YouTube NFL fan. So, you know, I watch the highlights, I follow some interviews from a few kind of, you know, announcers and, and, and uh, broadcasters. 
Um, and when this, yeah, I really enjoy, um, as Dan said, the show's brilliant. Um, the kind of depth they go to, even as a as a YouTube fan. Um, and I found this segment really interesting because actually I thought, um, is it Mark, the the host, did Mark such Chapman. a yeah. uh, did such a brilliant job of of keeping that conversation open and 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 really being active in listening. In and he said black. He said, he said black, black people. Said yeah. black. <laughs> that did not go unnoticed. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he, he And he, without he, hesitation. Yeah. He was on his job, so that was that was really good. And then similar to, to kind of what Alana has said and um, what Dom said, like when I heard OC saying, Oh, I moved here and so what? You you're trading off your integrity for a paycheck is what you're basically saying. And you don't want to upset the people that have afforded you these privileges. I can understand why that is a a protective point of view and why you know you need to protect your homestead and your income and all this kind of stuff but you don't need to for me dress it up as anything other than you're looking after number one and you, you're not part of the movement and you're not part of Dom I think you, you you hit the nail on the head over the last few years through conversations with like people like Angelo um, a friend of mine called Ema I've learned a lot about trans and a lot about you know gay rights and friends of, of, of they, as they have matured they've kind of come out and I'm here shouting and supporting them because, as you say, we've got to do this together. So it's that key word. It's solidarity. It's whether or not you are directly affected by the issue, even as a black person. As we all say, we we live good lives. We have good careers. We, you know, we have good opportunities. But we still we still speak up on these things because we have to, right? Like mm-hmm. it's the only way things are going to change. So it was a bit disappointing to hear that view, but also very. I think it's important that that view is. Is, is broadcast because it allows us to be critical and it allows us to challenge and it's in the public arena now and it, as Dan said it wasn't an argument I've heard that frequently I'd love to see what his opinion I... would be if say his son or daughter got caught up in one of these traffic stops and the cops didn't know who their father was it reminds me of like when the likes of Kwasi Kwarteng go on to question time and say that racism isn't bad in the UK anymore it's like, yes, because you live a life of privilege, I can understand why you might wear that kind of sentence on your chest and, and, and say it like you actually mean it. But we can all see where this kind of perspective is coming from. I, I will just like to bring Angelo in here. I think take a step back from <laughs> we're getting increasingly sort of ac- accusing him of, <laughs> of, of take holding viewpoints that I don't think he held at all. I think if, to an extent, maybe he was protecting like himself i don't i don't know i don't i don't feel like i feel like it was it did feel like a bit of a cop out for him not to have to take a stance but i, I don't necessarily think in I, I think he was he was trying to defend anyone from it because the, uh, the other times they've seen him speak about it he's acknowledged that there's problems there has been nfl players like jacked up by the police previously and he's spoken out about that too yeah. mm-hmm. so i think we should just row back from no i agree with you he said it in. He said it in there. He said it in there that he was. He understands and he empathises with. So if you have that level of empathy, do something. Mm. So that's fair. Um, I really disagree with his viewpoint. But then again, to me, it felt like he was speaking from like an individualist, good is good if it's good for me mindset, and that's not a mindset that I share. I'm much more yeah. of an Ubuntu guy. You know, I am because we are, or. I heard somebody else re remix the I am because we are to I cannot be if my brothers and sisters cannot be. And mm-hmm. and I just I really, really love that remix because it's saying that, you know, we don't go through 
this thing called life as individuals we need the people around us and again I don't like yeah I'm not going to like really go in on on him because I've, I've heard him speak really well and I think that he has some interesting things to say but what I would say is if I had gone to the States and I had had you know he, he has made the most of his opportunities but I think what was perhaps missing from his analysis is the that even within those opportunities he was still lucky he was still lucky that he didn't get caught in a traffic stop he was mm-hmm. still lucky that kind of his neighbours didn't call the police on him for you know being big and black in a neighbourhood where there aren't things like that and the reason that I would absolutely join in those protests is because whilst I may not be a black American I don't have black American experiences I think in the heat of the moment in America my Britishness is not going to save me in, in, in the heat of the moment and um, but I also want to kind of, and it's a small critique, but I know we spend a lot of time talking about OC, but I am so tired of people that kind of have a Damascene conversion and cite the fact that they have a daughter um, or that they have uh, have a child. It's like, no, no, do it because it's the right thing to do. And you see politicians do this all the time. You know, I can support Donald Trump because how can I look my daughter in the eye? Which is something that Ted Cruz said with... No, not Ted Cruz. uh, No, Ted Cruz said it, and so did a number of Republicans. And then it's like, no, but then they got in line. So it's like, how are you finding looking at your daughter? Do it because it's right. Um, Because I'm tired of kind of daughters and wives and mothers being used as shields. So, and because the the most insidious way that that's used is when somebody is accused of doing something, and they go, "How dare you accuse me of that? I have a daughter, I have a wife." It's like, yeah, and people that have daughters and wives can do fuck shit. So, so, so what? Um, but so, how can I be sexist? How can I be misogynistic? Yeah, I've got a mother. A woman. <laughs> so, I think, yeah. I think that beyond, it's not even beyond because it's all part of the same thing with OC there's a capitalist angle to it which is you know it's worked for me therefore I'm kind of not going to say anything because it might affect my slice whereas I just don't have that mindset I'm not going to kind of lambast it I'm just going to say look that's not where I'm coming from and I would nil because if god forbid the police or somebody who kind of decided that your skin was too offensive and too much of a threat for them and did something to you I would protest because it's the one tool that I have available to me I wonder if T.I. ever said how can I be sexist I've got a daughter <laughs> nope I'm not Nope, I'm not taking that bait <laughs> I'm just going to gloss over that who would have known the landscape the sporting landscape of America um, in that's changed in the last six months like I mean, you had NASCAR actually enforcing like the ban on Confederate flags, and then when they found the noose in the garage, like they stood behind. Have I just said garage? No. Oh, I've, I've done that. I've done the wily answer. I've, I've got. I've been caught out. Garage. <laughs> They've got one. Garage. 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 
Um, been there for too but long, yeah, when mate. they found the noose in the garage, they stood full square behind the only black driver on the grid. You've seen what's happening with uh, the basketball, NFL, the players took the lead on that. And then I don't know how many of you saw the uh, Miami Dolphins team video. video. Yeah, That's, yeah. That was really sort of powerful. And then the most surprising one was baseball. Mm. And a number of the baseball uh, teams' games got cancelled because after the Jake could break, uh, the black players like stood up and said, "You know, enough's enough." But um, I don't. It remains to be seen what's going to be the second act of this, and I think this sort of feeds in quite nicely to to our next topic as we go on. Just we're going to talk about the black square and what happened after that ah remember the black square that was a good day wasn't it <laughs> just a good day that everyone went quiet we uh put some resources up for a couple of days started started working on a working on a novel <laughs> and then, no, this is the point. So we're now approaching Black History Month, and eyes are going to be on some of these brands and some of these people who said they wanted to do the work and reached out, say, "Is it really like this? What's going on? Are you okay?" Well, we're in September now, and how? Can we make sure that we are continuing to move the debate on? Because there's always the risk, and this was the risk initially, that momentum, momentum of, of, that, of that kind has not really been seen before in this country. And that, that's, that's saying a lot in terms of, like, it, it really isn't much for some people to say, oh, actually, maybe we should start discriminating against a certain section of society. That's not, it's not asking a lot. But there's a lot of momentum. How can we make sure that that isn't entirely lost as we go into Black History Month and beyond into the end of the year. Um, I'm a big fan of Greg Popovich and he talks, he has this great phrase about uh, pounding the rockets of stone, uh, Mason reference, and it's this idea that they will hit the same spot for a hundred times and nothing seems to happen and on the 101st the whole thing splits the way they want it to. So even though you don't see it happening, there is a pressure that's happening that is necessary so while it might look like it's just the hundredth time that you hit it that makes it happen actually it's the work that's gone on um beneath that um i think that we have to recognize like we live in a society that wants things right now like kind of i'm not even going to cook because i can get someone to just eat and like cycle it to me but if you look at the lgbtq plus movement in this country and you look at, like, we, we look to today and we go, well, Pride Month is normalised. And, you know, I've been in schools and, like, kids now, they will not use um, LGBTQ plus slurs. They just, even, like, the biggest knuckle draggers just recognise that it's just not an area to go. But it didn't happen instantly. I'm old enough to remember the, um, the, the furore over the lesbian kiss on Brookside. And people just being like, "This is disgusting. This is this is awful." Um, I remember there were some BBC programs. Um, one was called "Tipping the Velvet." There was this fight to normalise um, LGBTQ plus P 
people uh, in the media. And it's it was things like Will Young um, and uh, coming out as as gay, and have he won one of the big music contests. And so it happens at the level of culture as well, because what and it also happens. I think it's an easy political win, no matter what side you're on. You can be socially liberal um, because it allows you a front to be perhaps economically uh, illiberal. Um, but this is where I kind of feel happy-ish about what's happening in the UK. And I want to talk specifically about the UK. We do we no longer need to look to America. We have our own role models. You've got Stormzy. Stormzy is on job. He's got his publishing company. He makes sure his videos show positive images of black people. Marcus Rashford made sure that all children in this country get fed. Uh, you've got uh, diversity. We spoke about them. You've got Lewis Hamilton, who's like, I'm just going to win every title and also arrest the cops that murdered Breonna Taylor. Uh, diversity. You've got John Boyega. You've got Kalechi Okorafor. You've got Munya Chihuahua. You've got Mo Gilligan. You've got all of these people that are being, and I think people in this country have been unashamedly black, but they're being unashamedly black British. And, we have our own story and it is being told. So how do we get people to put the work in? It's such an easy kind of corporate social responsibility win. Hire a Munya Chihuahua, hire a Mo Gilligan, hire me, shit. Like run me my money. Um, because what you're doing by saying that is we recognize that it needs to be, a, this is a battle that needs to be fought on all fronts. Yes, we need to have the stuff that's going on behind the scenes that Joffrey Archer is talking about, but it doesn't work unless you have that outward freight-facing thing as well. So we continue, as Greg Popovich says, to pound the rock. Uh, we take solace from the fact that some things that kind of might start now, we might not see fruition for 20, 30 years, like the LGBTQ movement. Um, but that movement should give us confidence and should give us solace that you keep applying pressure and things happen. You know, Andy Dufresne writing that one letter every 10 years to get the library in Shawshank. And then when he's asked, what are you going to do now? I'll write two letters a week. You know, yeah. it's that constant pressure. And I think you do that, you see the results. Yeah. And I think, you know, building off the back of that, like you say, we're in September now. And obviously, the, for me personally, I certainly felt it most in kind of June time and, and kind of, was looking at you know a, an awful lot of my friends and you know the brands that I follow and the companies that I follow and just people within my network were were reposting and they've shown up and they've put out in terms of you know the the black square but now I need you to come with me like you've you've kind of joined the party you've joined the battle but I need you to to walk with me you know through continuing to share resources and continuing to share you know viewpoints outside of your own worldview. Um, I need you to continue to um, speak up for the black peers in your life, to speak up against the family members that they might just, you know, throw one too many little jokes in. It's it's action time, you know, it's time for action. And it's time for, like you say, the fruition of, okay, you said it, but now do you mean it? Because if you don't mean it, then boy, it's going to get even longer for you. Because if not, I'm on your neck. 
because I can be because the same way these trolls can be on Diane Abbott's neck I can be on Twitter Designs neck for censoring you know Angelo's content I can be on you know a, a, a brand's neck for posting you know shady shady messaging or shady content so just through the little actions every day I think that's what we need to get to and progress to from the performative one square during the moment to now nah, every time you're on your Instagram go after someone go after go after it on behalf of someone and be outspoken don't be offensive and that's the hard thing to do I'll tell you what frustrates me um, and there's not really anything we can do about this because this kind of thing happens behind closed doors but I'd I'd love to see what work a lot of these corporations are actually doing um, and I say this because so one of the things I mentioned to you all was just last week I was in a session with Deloitte, so my past employer, um, and they got a few of us ex-Deloitte, so a Deloitte alumni, um, all black men and women, just to discuss our experiences and discuss why we left and what contributed to us leaving. And being in that session... It was quite strange at times because there were a couple of Deloitte partners, um, one of which was a white guy, and listening to our experiences, listening to our stories, you could see him with his head in his hands quite a few times because I think some of the stories, I mean, my experience, there are a few things that are quite unsavoury, um, a few things that people will gasp at when I tell them about them, but on the whole, they're not that bad. But on the other hand, there were a couple of other people in that session who had some really some really pretty distressing experiences. And I think one of the reasons I was most happy to participate in that session was because that is the kind of action that I wanted to come off the back of these black squares, is sitting down, having conversations and starting to understand where it has gone wrong, where things have potentially gone unnoticed, and then working with those people to make those changes. And they didn't need to come to the Deloitte alumni. They could have just gone to the staff that are there right now. But let's speak to the people that felt that they needed to leave because this wasn't the right place for them. And that's the kind of work that I want to see happening now. And obviously, I'm not going to know what's happening at Coca-Cola. I'm not going to know what's happening at Microsoft. But if that work is taking place, then I will be slightly encouraged. But little things that I think we need to start considering a little bit more as well as as consumers we are a savvy bunch we think a lot of the time about what is being put in front of us not everyone but a lot of us do and this is one of the things that i said to, to that partner at deloitte in terms of the experience that i mentioned on a few podcasts ago um about when i was put forward for a deloitte proposal for a piece of work and it was clear to me that it was just a box ticking exercise let's show how diverse we are as an organization and the thing that i said to the partner was remember you and your recruitment policy goes out to find the most talented people in the industry the smartest people in the industry you need to have a degree from a red brick university to even get through the door so we're smart people so when you come to me and ask me to be in this video i already know what's going on remember that so we as consumers when you're putting your black square up we know why you're doing it so now let me see you back it up with some serious action. Let me see what you're actually doing because like you always say, Dan, receipts. We've got the receipts. So I need to see actions now. It's gone beyond the black square. And Coca-Cola is very, a very interesting company to bring up because I remember, I think it was back in 99, 2000, they paid out, I think it was over $190 million to settle a racial discrimination 
case. And that, I say that again, to settle, which means obviously they don't get, they kind of say, we're not going to admit wrongdoing, we're not going to court, which means that they knew that if that had gone to discovery, some terrible, terrible stuff would have come out. So, so this is, and this is where I say it needs to be front facing as well as behind the scenes. And what my, I think my big thing during Black History Month, when all these companies put out statements of solidarity and I see people doing it, I'm going to join it, is show me a picture of your executive board right now quickly please uh don't don't give me anything else just show me what your executive board looks like and we'll go from there thank you thank you thank please and thanks please and thanks show me what your executive board looks like and we'll go from there <laughs> that was actually a really funny point of the delight discussion because a couple of the people within that session were saying well we didn't feel like we could progress to the top of the organization because there are no black partners and think about the size of a delight and one of the partners with his chest said, well, actually, we've got six of them. And <laughs> there's a lot of partners at Deloitte. There's a hell of a lot of partners at Deloitte. So don't say those things like it is a win. It's not a win. You rephrase that statement a completely different way. We have six, but we understand and acknowledge that it's nowhere near good enough. And when the partner said that, the person who was leading the session, a black woman, she interjected and said that oh yes, but we are working to make sure that this is more representative of our workforce and of society. But he was wearing it like it was a trophy. His tea is though, well, the thing there is, he's just a partner, isn't he? And I assume that, you, you, like, you, as you, like you say, they've got lots of these different partners. So I think like, when people talk about education, the education that's needed isn't for your rank and file. The education needs to happen up the chain because that's where the change needs to happen. That's the engine room. And like you say, it's it's at his level, which is like the fat bit of the company when it comes to like where power meets influence, I guess. It's at his level where you need to you need to be educating those people and, and for her to say to him, nah, you, you're not coming to me for to these things and embarrassing me saying stuff like this. Are ah, you an idiot? Yeah, and it's yeah. I mean, like, I again, I I pit, I this was a topic we I spoke to Mikai about this, about what these brands can do, and Angela hits the nail on the head. It's just, it's 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 down to who are you hiring? Who are you hiring? How how can you change your culture if everyone working there is from the same culture? Mm. It's very difficult. It's very difficult. And I think you've said this, you said this before, Dom, like it's the, the easiest way to change an organization. And I think I said it, uh, if you can't change your people, change your people. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's I, th I think on like, a, on like a personal level and a social level, I have been pleasantly surprised to see how many people have, have stayed on message and stayed on job through this. And you know, it's it's that's down to I guess the kind of people that we've got around got around us, and even like in the feed, it's 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 always good to see people are just you know staying on message, and that's been that's been positive for me. Yeah, and I like that it also sets uh, a precedent. Like I've seen this domino effect where um, you know talking about seeing the receipts, seeing it on paper, exactly what your exec board looks like. There's one brand, and I don't know if I can shout them out or not, but early, early, early in this summer, uh, they said, we are going to put $100 million into anti-racist causes. They laid out a whole plan of exactly where that money was going to go, 
the training that they were going to put their staff through. And then you look at their executive board and it is diverse. You look at, it's a fitness company. You look at their trainers, diverse trainers. They're really walking their talk. And I think the more that you see companies doing that, it sets a precedent for the other ones. Mm. So hopefully this will just be the beginning of sort of a, a domino effect. That's all CSR is. CSR yeah. is just, you see one person doing it, they come across really favorably in the media, then the rest of them do it because all of these things will eventually lead to sales. That's yeah. all they do it for. And that's exactly, yeah, the other thing I was going to say too is that now I am probably going to be loyal to that brand. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to tell all of my friends and my family yeah. to use that brand. And it's like you create advocacy. And yeah, I mean, yeah. it's really... Well, not again, is, not to make it sound sort of nasty, but it, it's a powerful PR move and it is also just the right thing to do. <laughs> well, and, and I think, well, obviously I do a lot of work in like branding and in kind of communication and like building companies. And a lot of the research I did was around, you know, ethical and sustainable and responsible kind of innovation and design practices. And a lot of the research I was reading a couple of years ago at a conference spoke to now it's not good enough to just, you know, sell people a product or a service. You, you sell them a sense of belonging, you sell them a sense of, you know, you've got, they've got to be able to see themselves in, in, in what you're selling. And even if it is a shitty PR move and just to, to raise the bottom line, it's more than what was happening before, isn't it? And I think, you know, as much as we can harp on about the, the, the change and the institutional change that needs to happen, we can also look at the small wins and take take pride in them, you know, as, as, as a community. And I think my own personal experience to see the company I work for be very proactive in their support. But then obviously in my own personal experiences, as now the only black employee, sadly, the other guy moved on, but that's the nature of tech. But to see them, you know, step up and do the right things by me, that gives me hope as well. And that, I'm not saying that's because of the black square or that's because of whatever, but, you know, I think there is a real conversation being had and there is real actions being taken. Just as Angelo has said, we need that out front. We need, you know, be proud about it. As as much as it isn't something to announce and to be super, you know, celeb, you know celebratory of, still make noise because that noise, that noise matters. So, this is why yeah. I'll never, ever turn my nose up at positive discrimination. Ever. I never will because we've had the conversation before would I be annoyed if I got a job knowing that I wasn't the best person for it because it was a box ticking exercise it's not about me it's not about me it's about everyone beneath me that can see that I'm there that's all that matters and, to me and also let's be honest like I have been denied jobs and to see the kind of gymnastics that have had to be made to justify why I've not got the job is is quite hilarious I mean I think I've told you guys before I don't know if I've ever put it on the pod but there was a job where basically my line manager got promoted and said you are the only internal candidate that should get this job that can get this job in fact she specifically said that another person cannot get that job because it would be the worst thing for the department Tutus, no uh, external candidates applied. Uh, it was me and the person that could not get the job. They could not, according to my line manager, get the job. And I'm not a good enough storyteller. You know how this story ends. And when I kind of asked why I kind of didn't get the job, it was so funny because they, they literally went... 
Well, you know, and I was like, as soon as they did that, the fact they didn't have bullet points for things, I just went, you know what, there's no way I'm ever going to get this job. And that's fine. So with positive discrimination, it has to be understood as a rebound. It has to be understood as a reaction to years of, you know, Jonties and Quentins and, you know, people like that ha- having positive discrimination. Um you know, there, there. It's, it's wild. It's, it's an impossibility. It's an actual impossibility that so many of the FTSE 100 companies, their boards look the way they do. And can I it's just an, say as well, it's an impossibility that the ECB board looks the way that it does. I think this is really important to mention as well, and I can only speak to the kind of industry that I work in and that I know. But when you think of and me, for instance, and I'm not one to often blow my own trumpet, but I'll do it right now. Come from a single parent background, show up for a second, come from a single parent background. <laughs> I've gone to, um, I grew up on a council estate, a black kid, all of the different things that I've had to deal with to get to the interview, to beat that interview, and then to get through the doors of Deloitte. You're going to tell me that I'm not better equipped to kill it than my man who's had a middle class education. Everything has been granted to them that they've ever wanted, ever needed, never had to struggle. You mm. tell me that I'm not more likely mm. to go on and succeed than that person, because yeah. if you are, you need to check yourself. Yeah. So when you're losing this much talent on a regular basis, because you can't look at your own department and understand what you're doing wrong to lose these people, then yeah. keep hemorrhaging this because you're going to be hemorrhaging money as well. And this is, and this is you know, one of the things that I, um, I've kind of, experience in the last few months so i applied for a job for a, a company and was went through the interview process and the feedback came back because uh he's intimate he's scared of clashing with you he thinks there's going to be personality clashes that was the first bit of feedback so the first bit of feedback you're giving me isn't even about my skills what i can bring to the business or whatever it's you're intimidated by a young black guy with a couple of degrees and a you know rapid industry experience coming in and challenging you because the third bullet point of feedback was this guy's supremely confident in his ideas. How make that make sense? If you're supremely confident in, in your ideas and what you do, surely you're you're willing to open them up and, and to, to let them be challenged. And I think it's one of those things again about the positive discrimination. I'm I'm in the same camp as you don't. Like where I come from, I remember doing the university kind of uh, bursary questionnaire and they spit out like a socioeconomic score for you. And it's like a number. And my, you know, where I come from is the lowest number you can get. It's, you know, it's the hardest place to come from to, to get, you know, a master's degree or do whatever they need to do to, to divvy up the, burs- uh, the bursaries. And that's what I stand by now. Yeah, okay, I might not have had as much experience as some of these, you know, middle-class industry guys and might not have been afforded the luxury of placement and whatever else. But you honestly believe the same, same way, coming from a single-parent family, from you know Bradford doing what I'm doing, I'm not equipped to, to go ahead and continue to dominate. Get out of here. I'll take every chance I can get. If you open the door, I'm kicking it in and I'm going to try and kick it in for everyone else too. And that's just there's, how it is. Yeah, there's also a gender uh, aspect that I just wanted to kind of flag, which is, and Nate, you actually said it there because it's a racial thing as well, but oftentimes the same things that can be complementary for one group of people is seen as a negative for another group of people. Yeah. So, yeah, that that lad was super confident. That woman was a bit bossy. You know, and, and there are so many different ones. And it's only when you... And I, I, was, I, I was just laughing to my friend about this where I, I lost it one year when we were selecting prefects. And I said, 
I literally copied them out and I was like, these comments have been put in the positive comment for these boys and have been put in the negative, the exact same comments have been put in the negative box for these girls. So, you know, wagwan. <laughs> <laughs> Next week on the Black Man Success Monologues. <laughs> I enjoyed that, mate. Nah, really, just, I was riding with you. Yeah, you got to do, do it, bro. Got to, you know, self-love Tom Harriet Domson, like we say, you know, he triggered it. You triggered it. But but like to be like I know we're joking, but it's so one of the big things about when you rise to certain levels, when you go up the levels, one of the big questions is how are you gonna deal with pressure? Mm. And it's like, look, this ain't pressure. Pressure is <laughs> shit. We've got we've got to use the tea lights because the heating ain't on no more. You know, that's pressure. Pressure is I really hope I don't grow too much because I've got to wear like my older siblings' clothes to school. That's pressure right. is pressure is how am I gonna explain to my teammates that I can't go on tour with them to Amsterdam because my mom can't afford it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That kind of thing. yeah. Or yeah. figuring out how to get to that place on the limited budget or exactly. lack of budget that you have. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, while we're joking, I, it's like let's be like what Dom is saying is so true. Like we are uniquely built for it because of those experiences and to deny us just means we're not gonna stop. What's the phrase that we always use in the, in the group chat? We move, we mm-hmm. move. So you stop us, that's fine. We'll go somewhere else and keep moving. And eventually Sorry, no, I'll build my own Black Wall Street. That's what's you gonna happen. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And this one ain't getting burnt down. No Tulsa massacre, fuck them. A war. I ain't got shit to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> lockdown, we're in lockdown too. We're in lockdown 1.5. <laughs> um, the long tail. Yeah, so what have people been doing to alleviate boredom during lockdown? Well, I mean, Just, well, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to jump in first. As I said on a previous podcast, been kind of reconnecting to like just reading, sketching, stuff like that, but obviously as kind of you all know, I'm a big big cyclist. And what's interesting for me is over the last kind of 10 days I've not been allowed to ride my bike. I've not been allowed to leave the house because I've had to isolate from um, coming back from France. And what I've been doing, it's mad. I've made my own hiking stuff from a twig I brought back from one of the hikes out there. I've gone full, like, I'm doing yoga at golden hour every morning. That was my favourite thing like, I see on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Bro. <laughs> I'm doing like I'm getting I'm up just, at sunlight in his, in his yeah. nice flat in Newcastle <laughs> on his nice salary, sculpting yeah. a stick. <laughs> it's called whittling. He's whittling. I'm whittling. I'm sanding. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm doing all the. the and it's funny because I used to do that in uh, for my university degree, you know, making models and stuff. And I've not done it in years because my kind of career's moved away from it. But I don't know. I just find myself returning to old habits like, you know, playing online card games and playing like you know little games and making little models and making little stuff and riding my bike and hopefully playing basketball again if these restrictions kind of um kind of lift but yeah it's it's weird man it's when you're forced to spend so much time with yourself especially someone like me i don't actually like to spend time with myself i like to do stuff so yeah just making stuff drawing stuff and obviously working on the business yeah, I'll go next. I think, so I I was the one who posed this to the group just because I struggle with this. And I don't know if it's because I uh, am just like addicted to adrenaline and stimulation. <laughs> and so I like, I, like, I really, I get bored very easily as it is. So even, but I also like my solitude. So in the beginning of lockdown, I was really happy because I felt like I was just go, go, go. And it was so nice to have some like, 
respite and relax, you know. But now to try to alleviate my boredom, I, I'm like, well, I can't travel. I also have to reapply for my visa, so I really can't travel. <laughs> I can't, I'm trying to save money, so it's like I can't spend money when I'm bored. I don't want to become an alcoholic, so I'm not just like drinking myself like <laughs> into a state of non-boredom. I mean, I'm doing other things. I'm doing like the fitness, I'm doing the yoga, I'm doing the meditating, I'm doing, I've got a number of creative projects. I think there's just, uh, I don't feel the outlet to let loose. Does that make sense? Yeah. So maybe it's not an issue with boredom. It's just I crave going to a nightclub and dancing. Yeah. I crave going to a festival. Yeah. I crave like just having a big one. And I'm like, yeah. how do I get that? How do I get that? Alana. With six people. <laughs> yeah, Alana. Like, So this is Dom. Dan, you'll, you'll be able to appreciate this as well. This is the first year in nine years I've not gone out on one single bank holiday in Newcastle. You don't know how much I crave turning up to Spy Bar at 1pm and rolling out of there at 11, heading to Newcastle City Centre to cause some mayhem. Like, that's just I just want to feel that irresponsible again. I want to feel that kind of waved again. Because right now, I can't even go pub. Like, it's mad. Can I just tell you the level of desperation that me and my friends are on, particularly me? We drank a whole bottle of Ray and Nephew and Ting in our homes to articulate. <laughs> How many of you that, were there? Four. That's Rash. just unruly. That you, you, that is, you're dumb and you deserve everything. That you <laughs> it was the best game gonna, of Articulate nah. I've ever played. I'll tell you that. I bet you're no one was articulate after that game. Articulate. <laughs> Come on. But yeah, if somebody can, you know, let me know. I, at, I ain't got a clue. At AS Duddies, at me, at me uh, your suggestions. I've got no idea. I mean, since lockdown started, I, I bought a colouring book. I coloured in one page. I bought um, some music production software and a MIDI keyboard. My brother now has that. I bought DJ decks. I've mixed one time. One time. I bought about... No, I didn't buy... I downloaded some Spanish and Italian courses on Rosetta Stone. My Spanish is as mediocre as it was at the start of March. I became fit as a fiddle lost about 10 kilos i'm now firmly back at about five kilos that i lost <laughs> in this whole period i i wish i wish someone could tell me a way to just find something and stick with it and i will get there eventually i'm sure but i have i have not, when this second lockdown really comes in i'm just gonna have to watch dancho was um, instagram feed every morning again and find some kind of inspiration that way because <laughs> i have no idea how, how else to keep these things alive it's been a weird one for me so obviously I, I, i've 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 moved house during lockdown i started a job during lockdown it's gone for so long i've not met most of my team and i've hired a new person during lockdown <laughs> it's kind of mad it's um my only habit, like I started working out and I'd never, prior to this, bearing in mind I've been going to the gym for like, what, 14 years? No, in fact longer, 16 years. I'd never finished a gym program in all of that time. Not even, not, that's three months, 12, 12 weeks of, uh, of of sessions. I'd never finished one until this lockdown. This lockdown, I finished two and then I was like, all right, okay, done. <laughs> that's enough. That's enough of that. But the weird thing is, I've just I've I've become I think a workaholic. That's mm. where that's where I've seen the challenge for me mm. is like just day to day, just okay, well I'm gonna go and work. And because I'm working in like advertising on those different accounts, every that's where I get the newness from. Every day's 
pretty new so i'm just like okay i'll just i just throw myself into that to be honest probably too much at the minute i've had some kind of mad days but that's just where that's just where i'm sort of putting my time in a minute and like i said i've hired someone so i'm managing a person now so that's new and i'm that that's challenging like new aspects of myself and challenging like making that. me want to sort of discover more about to it. See it yeah so that's where i'm putting my energies but i think it'd be healthier for myself long term and more sustainable for me to just scale back a bit mm. like i've been i've been try- fighting to f- like make myself finish at six when i'm supposed to instead of just saying oh i'll just do another hour here mm-hmm. another hour and a half there but uh yeah that's that's the battle so at the minute like yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to go back to almost how i was at the beginning of lockdown and just plug in yeah more external external things to pass the time and uh yeah like i'm, I'm i didn't my bike broke halfway through lockdown but that's back working so i think we might have to go for some rides Dom. yeah i i just wanna i just wanna say i feel very very ungrateful for what I just said, and I complained for the past minute when I was speaking, <laughs> but I have also I've been I've been tanning it on the bike. The bike is a new thing. I've been fortunate yeah. enough to hold down a job the whole way through lockdown, which has both kept me challenged and kept me occupied, and obviously put food on the table. That's so it. I'm not gonna I'm not complaining about a lick. I would rather be bored than be homeless. So amen. I'm I'm very happy with how things have turned out for me. We give thanks. All right. Well, since Tom's coming in with the gratitude, I also must give thanks for holding <laughs> down a job. And life is pretty great. Everything's perfect and fine. I'm just being a spoiled brat. You Americans <laughs> complain all the damn time, man. I know. It's a habit. It's a habit. I'm working on it. I've been working on it this lockdown. This is how successful I've been. <laughs> but I guess in all seriousness, okay, so to be fair... I haven't gone the workaholic route in terms of my actual job, but I've been doing a lot of creative projects. So I've been talking about for the last year doing these family interviews where last year I, I don't know, I just had this realization that uh, I wanted to get to know like my grandparents and like the humans that they were before I even existed and just who they are and some of the things they've gone through and the movements that they've seen. And so I did these interviews, but I didn't record them. So now I'm actually in the process of asking all my family members these series of questions. And so that's one of the projects that I'm doing. So I'm getting, I'm able to get around to things that I kept putting on the back burner that are really significant. Um, But it's still, it does still feel like work. I guess what I'm looking for is like that escape from work. And normally it'd be like the odd night out. Mm-hmm. The, the this or the that and maybe it's just one of those times where you know we have to remember that we're all in it together like none of us none of us can go out and or yeah. or shouldn't be you know yeah. um, bring back the defected, that time, defected that time um, virtual raves that's what i want that's to come it. back that's it mate they've uh facebook have banned those you can't do live streams on facebook music live streams unless you're partnering with facebook oh Jankrop so, Batip. Yeah, so we're gonna have to look Bamba for new Twitch. I think Twitch could be right, could be the boy. Out Theresa May but, over there. But uh, I will say, Angela, you've had a very sort of different experience, having sort of living on your own throughout the period. What's it been like? Oh, hard. Your, it's been and, difficult. Yeah, um, because. What it, it, the thing is, you've got to remember at the start as well, like it wasn't, 
it's the fact that you weren't even allowed out. You know, you mm. remember they were doing like the drone, they, they kind of were sending out drones and people that are going out for like long walks and long cycles. They're like, no, get back in your yard. So yeah. that was that was very, very difficult. Add to that that whilst I was grateful that I signed uh, a contract through to the end of, uh, end of uh, well, into July for some work in a school, obviously I, I, I signed that contract a week before everything shut down. No, two weeks before everything shut down. So whilst I was getting paid, I was still in my yard. And then it was kind of, they were like, well, could you come in for one day? Still being paid on the full contract, which was great. But it was like, so that's my one day a week where I'm allowed out, like yard exercise. So and then obviously over the summer, like I was working in education, so there's no work. Um, and so I think the, to be honest, the thing that's really kind of saved me is the creative outlets it is the it is the black boris and kind of putting the time into that has been has been absolutely absolutely massive because it gives me a way to just kind of communicate with with the rest of the world and also i think it's like lockdown has changed me in in one particular way that it's changed is when things started to open up i still acted like i was in a full lockdown because what i was not going to do was having spent all those months staying in, following the rules, was to then go out and get sick. And I just thought, like, kind of the selfishness of some people just going out, especially where I live, where, like, today I went out wearing a mask, and people are looking at me like I'm weird. And it's like, no, this is what should be happening. You need to look at the R numbers and stuff. So, yeah, I've got I've got fitter. Um, you know, that's great. And I, and I give I do give thanks for that, but... Uh, people that have had to lock down by themselves, it's 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 a tough ask. It's a really really tough ask because, you know, the internet is great, but it it's uh, it's not real. It's a poor substitute for for reality. Um, mm. And I know I know there are other people that have have suffered and struggled through it. Um, and I feel like I am kind of coming out of a period of just deep depression, and which. And the thing is, is like, it's the most obvious depression there is. And it's like, there's no <laughs> point getting, unless my serotonin levels are low, there's no point getting medication when the medication I need is to be able to go outside without feeling like I'm going to die. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's been, I think, obviously, I've had a very different experience to, to the other members of our of our collective. But, you know, again, if pressure, pressure makes diamonds and you know, I kind of, I'm really hoping that as I kind of take tentative steps into the next chapter of what I've run doing, like I should never again say I'm bored. Yeah. Because bored is, you know, it's a privilege. I've Yeah. I've completed, I've completed everything in my house. You know, mm -hmm. I've read all the books I've done. I did like 700 kilometers in a week on the bike just to, just to see, you know, there's nothing left to do. So I give thanks that I've kind of survived it. But if we have a lockdown too, I will be kind of jet setting off and going to live somewhere else. I'd rather live, if I'm going to live in kind of a lockdown, I'd rather live in a lockdown where the sun shines through my window. Makes sense. I remember when uh, I I just rang you, we just 
talking and I was sat in the park and I had to <laughs> I had to break up that fight yeah, I, was yeah, yeah, I remember you, that you were just getting on the because that, that was when you were getting on the bike whenever you were doing a call weren't you yeah 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 is that was that when you're doing the 750? Well, no. I, I, I the thing is, I, I was I've done some pretty mad wigs, and it's one of those things where it's like, I'll do. I always I always set off with the intent of doing seven kilometers as a sprint, as a mm-hmm. hill climb sprint, and then you're like, what else have I got to do? Let me just get up to ten. Let me get up to twenty. Let me get up to thirty. And you're like, I ain't got nothing else. All I'm gonna do after this is have a bath. So I might as well just keep going. And so it's not it's not been one of those things where I've like. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. To do. It's like I'm doing it because there's nothing else to do. Have you got a bath that's big enough for you? <laughs> I, I I, I've not fit in a bath for about 15 bath, years. So. Yeah, it's a swimming pool, fam. <laughs> Olympic swimming the old, pool, fam. Um, the old long back. Right. The old <laughs> long back. But no, I think like you know, as everyone's saying, in a position of kind of gratitude for kind of coming to lockdown 1.5 and the ship being a bit steadier and. You know, I'm very fortunate to to live with my girlfriend. My family's healthy. And yeah, I think it's just like, you know, even stuff like this, having a platform to come and speak to you lot, you know, for a couple hours every so often. Mm. It's those little things now where it's just like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be present in the moment. I'm going to enjoy it. Just make the most of it. Alana, who's your MVP from lockdown? I've got two. Keep it tight here. Come on. Yeah. All right. I've got two. One are just the various spaces that I've joined for Black Women. So I'm in Girl Trek. I'm in a Black Running group, Black Feminist Bookshop, writing group, all for Black women. That's really helped me. Uh, and then the other one is uh, is drag queens. <laughs> drag, just I've been watching endless shows and YouTube videos of drag queens, and it has saved me during this lockdown. There's I'm like Alana. There's two for me. There's um, Munya Chihuahua and his brilliant satire and parody grime um kind of bits and pieces and then um my girlfriend actually started showing me videos from a guy called brad mondo um and he basically reviews women getting their hair done and i've never seen someone be so positive about disasters and it was one of those things where like i just found myself on snapchat just watching his story you know it came up in the subscriptions a couple of times and yeah i've just I'm allowing myself to be exposed to content I would never previously watch. So, yeah, Munya Chihuahua and Brad Mondo. Man like Rashford. Mm. Man like <laughs> Marcus <laughs> Rashford. Yes, man. I mean, Large I, I'm not even, I, I can't even go into everything. It's We do this thing called Newsroom at work where I'm a part of the editorial team. So we find the stories which are, which are making noise and across social. And we put something in that Marcus Rashford has done two or three times a week for the last six months. This boy, is, tw- is he 22? Yeah. I think he's 22 years of age. And he's having to do things which, like, no 22-year-old has any right to be doing. <laughs> like, you, we, we always think kids or people grow up later now. And he is, like, a really shining example of someone who books a trend. If you're good enough, you're old enough. Yeah. Guan Marcus. Guan Marcus. Uh, so a couple of mine have been said, but I got plenty. Um, Kelechi, uh, Kelechi Okafor has been just totemic on Twitter. Um, uh, I think Nate said Munya. Uh, one specific moment. This guy hasn't been an MVP, but this moment was was when Mo Gilligan did the uh, interview of the Roadman footballer. 
that kind of that sustained me for the longest time. You know, when he said it's it's long when you got to play young boys and gank. <laughs> Snowing and that. Snowing and that. One nil down. Man in the pink boots. I am not that guy. So, so that moment was was absolutely brilliant. Um, and then I tell you what, and I didn't even realize the profound effect it had on me was Naomi Osaka's run in the US Open and, and the wearing the masks, playing the dominant tennis, but then not, there was, it's her interview at the end where they were like, well, what kind of message were you trying to send wearing the mask? And she just, she rolled her eyes and kissed her teeth. And I was like, in that moment, I'm like, she must be Jamaican. Cause she was like, what message do you think I'm trying to send? And, and I absolutely love that. So large up Kalechi, large up Mo Gilligan doing the roadman footballer, and large up Naomi Osaka, who is uh, just doing the biggest bits. Uh, real respect to, to all three of them. I think mine is, this is, this is boring, but I've got to say it. It's been 30 years now, 29, 30 years, my mother has had kids in the house and the first time that she has not had kids in the house has been locked down and I know it has been hell for her and she's gone to hell and back and will continue to go to hell and back until all of this is over and the fact that she's still here and fighting she'll be forever my MVP for this whole year so large up HT Mama TZ you are doing your thing and you'll get through this and we'll all get through this and have a good piece of food and a dance in a couple of months Mm. Hey look, hey look, Heather and that doing numbers on Twitter as doing well. Doing numbers, oh, serious yeah. numbers, doing numbers, <laughs> serious numbers. Guys, this has been a blast. Like we always say, this is therapy. I'm sorry, everyone out there, that this has taken so long. It was partly my fault, but <laughs> you will find out why in due course. Thank you, Nate. You're welcome. Thank you, Angelo. Yeah, yeah. Say bless, people. Thank you, Dom. Zip it up and zip it out. Zippity doo dah doo. <laughs> Thank you, Alana. Thank you. How do I follow that? Thank you. I don't know. Stay classy, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and thanks for me. See you guys soon. We out. <laughs>